Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Big 12 Podcast. This is another weekly Big 12 crossover. We have John Williams from Locked On Sooners and Ray Lida from Locked On Texas Tech, Locked On Red Raiders. And also, we have Jake Hatch from Locked On Cougars, as you guys can tell, covering all things BYU. Tonight, a couple things. We're talking Diamond Sports. Four Diamond Sports teams are left. The problem is they're the uh, Diamond Sports teams that are going to be leaving the Big 12. So we'll take it while we can get it. And also, can a Big 12 player win the Heisman Trophy in 2022? All that is coming up on tonight's show. You are Locked On Big 12, your daily podcast on the Big 12 Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, so uh, it was really cool um, to see that last night at one point, John Williams, it was going to be one of two things. It was going to be a Red River final in the Women's College World Series, or it was going to be Bedlam. Oklahoma loses the first game. They come out, and, and this this was Oklahoma softball in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. They, beat, they beat the brakes off UCLA. They run rule them. They went out there and they run rule them 15 and then some 15 to nothing to punch their ticket to a third consecutive Women's College World Series. Turns out they're going to be playing Texas. You and I were talking before we started this. Sometimes it's the throws that you don't make are the you know, kind of the best decisions because uh, a bad throw from Oklahoma State. And now it's Red River in the Women's College World Series, which is nice. But also not nice in the Big 12. It's kind of our fears for football that we've talked about so much, isn't it, Jake? Or excuse me, isn't it, uh, John? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's something that nobody wants to see in the, the Big 12 potential championship game if there's going to be a non-divisional matchup in 2023. Uh, or sorry, non-divisional alignment in 2023. But yeah, nobody wants to see Oklahoma and Texas go out with a bang. And yeah, I mean, you kind of hate it for Oklahoma State. I've been there playing yeah. baseball growing up, like, Sometimes, like you said, the throw, you just want to hold on to the ball and not make the throw, but you're out there trying to make a play and it just gets away from you. And man, it's just, it's killer. You just, you hate it. You, it just crushes you. Even as a, an Oklahoma Sooners fan, Oklahoma State's a rival, like as a former ball player, I, I'm just feeling that right there with her. You just, it just hate, you just hate it. Uh, but yeah, yeah it's, it's going to be a great, great championship series. Like Oklahoma, as you mentioned, they came out against UCLA in that second game and just put them on it. Put it on him from the jump. A three-run home run from Tiara Jennings in the first inning. A three-run home run from Jocelyn Allo in the second inning. And before they even get to the second inning, Jocelyn Allo is letting the, the dugout know this is ending in five. Like, she called mm. her shot. Yeah. And their team backed her up. They got another one in the fourth, and then they went off for eight runs in the fifth inning uh, with the Jocelyn Allo grand slam. And just, again, this team just constantly blows us away. They've been doing this now for almost two se- full seasons, and yet we're still amazed by what they're able to do every single game. And it's it's just incredible to watch, and it's such a great time to be an Oklahoma fan to, to enjoy this because this is the last few games we're going to get out of Jocelyn Allo. Mm-hmm. But on the flip side, Tiari Jennings, who almost has 60 home runs as a sophomore, has several more years for the Oklahoma Sooners. Jada Coleman, who's second on the team in batting average, batting something like 430 and second in walks, is also a sophomore. And Jordy Ball, who hasn't really pitched much in the last three weeks, she's just a freshman. So uh, it's a very exciting team to watch right now as they're going for a back-to-back national championship. 
but it's also going to be a very, very exciting team to watch in 2023 as well, because they're still very, very young. And Jake, I, I was mentioning that it was the nightmare scenario, right? Like this is, this is why we've been talking about the divisions. It's like, all right, we have to avoid this on our own turf at all costs in foot, at least in football. Right. Well, and that, that's the thing about this is it, it, it sets up, you're like, okay, great. It's cool for the big 12 right now. But as we look forward here, I, I can say one thing. My wife is a former collegiate softball player. She played at BYU and she absolutely loves the way that Oklahoma plays. We have watched a fair amount of this women's college world series. Jocelyn Allo and the rest of the Sooners are absolutely lights out. But yeah, the, it's almost, it, it's just, it's cool right now for the big 12, but it's the nightmare scenario for any big 12 fan out there thinking, okay, they're going to do this in softball. Are they going to do this in football? Like, you, you've got to, you've got to be happy in one sense, but the other one, you're like, oh my goodness, what does this mean for the future? And I have to, a couple of things I want to mention here. So I actually, I had the Paul Feinbaum show on today when I was working and somebody had a, had a tweet that was, Oh, great to see OU in Texas in the championship. SEC, SEC was the tweet. And I was like, oh, my what? God. Was that Red Alert? Uh, well, yeah, right. Right. That might have been who it was. Um, and Emory, there is a chance that this could happen in baseball. The two remaining Big 12 teams in baseball, it's Oklahoma and Texas. A tough weekend, TCU, Oklahoma State, and Texas Tech. Uh, all get knocked out, and so we're left with the Sooners and the Longhorns. So it, you know, it could happen there too, couldn't it? Yeah, I'm going to be shocked if Oklahoma gets all the way to the finals of the College World Series in baseball. But I mean, they're hot right now. They're they're pretty hot. I mean, stranger things have happened, but at the same time, I mean, I think the softball side of things was one thing with Texas, obviously being a slight slight surprise to be there, but certainly, I mean, you expect Oklahoma and how good they've been the last couple of years, especially to be able to get on that stage in softball. But in baseball, I mean, this was kind of a nightmare scenario for the new big 12, because you had some, you had some good teams, namely in TCU and obviously in tech and Oklahoma state as well, particularly in Oklahoma state and hosting yeah. their own regional and kind of falling apart against Arkansas. Um, those, to see all of those teams go down in the first round, Oklahoma kind of come up with a little bit of an upset over Florida. I mean, I think that they were probably well positioned compared to Florida being a little, little bit of a weaker host compared to some of the other regional hosts. But right. certainly, I mean, for Oklahoma to get past the first weekend was really nice for them. And obviously, Texas kind of expected. I mean, they still have a ton of talent on their roster. And obviously, you have a very talented lineup for them from on the offensive side of things. So I think as you look ahead in baseball, I mean, it's really unexpected in the Big 12 to have Texas and Oklahoma as the two remaining teams just because you had so many kind of a very deep Big 12 when it came to probably five teams. Obviously, all the teams in the tournament had solid regular seasons and came into it or at some point were in the top 25. So it's interesting. Oklahoma's probably has the most momentum in terms of just being how they did in the Big 12 tournament and then how they did in the first round or in the regional against Florida and kind of coming out in that regional. But certainly, I mean, if Texas and Oklahoma both make it to the College World Series, that's one thing. And then another thing is if they end up playing in the final, I don't know what you would do with the new Big 12. I think that would be enough to that'd be enough to just give up and give off give off the SEC chance going forward. Well, here's the thing is you know, so I think there's a pretty good chance, like, you know, look, I like Porter Moser a lot and I, I really like Chris Beard a lot. Like I I feel pretty confident in saying that we could avoid that situation of basketball. Um uh, football is the one we're all, we're all like, oh my God, like we, we cannot let this happen. I, I just want to say for the Oklahoma State side of things on softball, 
Uh, a really rough weekend for them too, with the with the obviously baseball like you mentioned getting KO'd by Arkansas. Um, Chad Weiberg made a great decision by making sure that he locked up uh, Kenny Gajewski as their softball coach for years to come. That guy, hundred and ten percent, gets it. And I think eventually, if Patty Gasso, you know, whenever she decides to call it quits, if I'm OU, my first call is down the road to Kenny Gajewski, who gets the sport better than anybody else in the state. Um, he just he just gets it and. I feel really bad for his kids because they were so close. Johnny mentioned it. They were so close. It's just tough to watch something like that happen. But love him. He's an excellent coach. Uh, you know, so shout out to Oklahoma. Shout out to Texas. I will say Mike White's group had to do it the hard way. They are, they are the first, the first unseeded team to ever make the Women's College World Series championship. And they did it. I believe they were um, they had to win two elimination games in Washington. They had to win two elimination games in Arkansas, and they had to win two and more than two, uh, two elimination games at least against Oklahoma State. They are uh, they just won't die. They will not die. So, John, I expect them to run roll to uh, Texas in game one, and then uh, I guess I'll bet they're off from there, right? A lot of it's going to depend on how they how they do with Haley Dosini in the first matchup. Yeah. I mean, she pitched great when she beat Oklahoma back in April, but then Oklahoma got to her uh, just the other night when they beat them seven to two to advance into the winner's bracket and send Texas into the loser's bracket. So a lot of it's going to depend on that first matchup there. And, and I mean, hope Troutwine I'm betting is going to get the first start for Oklahoma. She's been sick all tournament long. Uh, She's unbeaten. She's only allowed a couple runs uh, a couple different times, but she was great on Monday against UCLA and so I'd imagine that they're going to go back to her on Wednesday and really try to hold back Jordy Ball as much as possible because she's she's been okay, but she's not fully back. She's not fully right yet. And I think if you can continue to lean on Hope Troutwine, your veteran in the rotation that's going to make things a lot simpler for Oklahoma, setting up their, their pitching matchups for game two and hopefully not a game three. All right. Uh, it's a, it's a, I, I agree with all of the sentiments right there. Uh, Haley Dosini seems to be the best weapon they have. And yeah, she pitched great. I remember they act like they won the World Series and they beat they beat OU. Because that was like the longest day. It was such a long drought. They hadn't beaten well, OU in what, how long was it? Like 10, you know, 14 tries, something like that? I think I think Oklahoma had beaten them 23 times in a row because they've won 24 <laughs> the last Sickening. 25. Yeah. And then, yeah, and because they had just beat them two games in that series. And then Haley Dosini comes up with the big, you know, a really great performance. She held them to right. two hits. One of them just happened to be a home run. Um, that came in the seventh inning. So, I mean, she pitched great that Sunday back in April, and uh, that's really going to be the key right there for Oklahoma is can they get to her early again. All right. uh, Today's show is brought to you guys by rockauto.com. Go to rockauto.com today for the best prices on parts for your car or truck. Why choose to spend 30, 50, or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership, for example, Honda Odyssey fuel pump is $353 from a chain store. It's only $216 at rockauto.com. It's a family-run business. So we're auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com today. All right, folks. So big question tonight on the football side of things we are discussing. One of the few questions that we are discussing is, can a Big 12 player win the Heisman? Now, I've been to the odds before on this, and there are a few guys – you know, B. John Robinson's, uh, you look at Quinn Ewers, you're going to look at Dylan Gabriel. But I, I want to set, like, the parameters here. Like, what do we think in the Big 12 gets you a Heisman? Because there is a certain winner's profile, right? We talked last week about, hey, 
who is the best player in the conference? And a couple of us thought it was Deuce Vaughn. Well, if I'm going for Heisman profile, I don't really know if necessarily Deuce Vaughn fits that mold. So I'm going to go to you first, Emery. What is your idea of a Heisman profile, not just for a player, more for a team kind of is what I mean with this. Like what does your team have to accomplish to get a Heisman trophy, do you think, in the Big 12 next season? Well, I think there's two main archetypes you can look at for a Heisman winner in the Big 12. One of them would be on a team that's in the college football playoff conversation, a top five team. And for that, you're looking at a quarterback that puts up really, really good stats. Think of like a uh, Baker Mayfield, obviously Kyler Murray, like those two come to mind as the two guys recently for the Big 12 that put up real Heisman campaigns, obviously won it in both of those cases. So you have that, and obviously without Lincoln Riley, that becomes a little bit more difficult from a system standpoint, but you never know. So I think on that on that front, you have one one side of things, which is a new team or a team that's up at the front and really has sort of a season-long contention with a quarterback or even a running back that puts up a good enough stats. Those are going to be kind of the up kind of the best player in a really good team archetype. And the other archetype for me is a player that really has just sensational stats, has kind of the storyline behind them. Think of like Lamar Jackson, a Johnny Manziel type of winner where the team isn't quite in Heisman contention, but yet, or it isn't quite a national championship contention, but because of how spectacular they are, the amount of stats they put up, the sort of eye popping or the kind of highlight reel sort of plays that sets them apart. And I think in the big 12, you're kind of limited with that because you have to have a quarterback that puts up really good numbers, but then the kind of back backlash on that is well, Big 12 plays no defense. And obviously that hasn't been true lately, but still you have Heisman voters and people that are generally like as that can be uninformed. And so I think that the route that goes in that sense, you're almost better off like a running back that puts up really, really good stats. So I would say if you're a quarterback, the best bet is to be on a team that's in college football playoff contention. If you're, if you lose more than two games, it's going to be difficult. And if you're a running back, it might be more towards the putting up close to two, 2,000 scrimmage yards, a whole bunch of touchdowns on a team that's good but doesn't necessarily have to be overly great. Jake, I was muted there. Uh, think of this from a BYU perspective, right? Was Zach Wilson, was he a Heisman finalist? I don't remember if he was. He was not. He made a kind of a dark horse run. He didn't really burst onto the scene until October of his breakout year, really, with most people, so – so what was last time BYU had somebody went to went to New York? Obviously, Ty Detmer wins it. Was it 1986? 1990 was when he won. 90? 90? Okay, 90. 90, so yeah. Last time they had a finalist that went to New York was Ty Detmer. They have had guys mm. like Ben who have made runs. He was he had, was given the nickname the Dominator when he was playing for BYU in the early 2000s. Max Hall made a run at it in the mid 2000s. So it's been a hot minute since BYU's had really do you, any. Do you think the Big 12 is going to, I actually think, to help them in this category, right? Like it's going to give them more of a national stage and kind of get them guys mm-hmm. in this category because I, I think I think it definitely does. Because I mean, the Zach Wilson case, while well, thinking about that one kind of game against Coastal Carolina, right? And you could argue that, you know, it wasn't really his fault how things went down, I guess you could say. But like it kind of sunk him in some ways. Yeah, and that's the thing about this is BYU has always wanted to have a national presence, and they do. Their fan base is nationwide just with their church affiliation and everything. But the biggest thing is they want to be playing on the biggest stages. And similar to what Emory said, you if you want to win a Heisman out of the Big 12, you've got to be in college football playoff contention, or you have to just put up just video game-type numbers. So 
if given the opportunity, a team like BYU, if they could get Zach Wilson to come back around at some point as a member of the Big 12, it probably gives him a bigger platform and an opportunity. But you have to have a very special season at this point to win a Heisman. All right, John, I'll go to you because the – I mean, when you look at the Heisman Trophy winners and where they went, the the Big 12, the ones that they own at least as of late, uh, all of them have come from uh, Oklahoma. Obviously, you have Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield in 17 and 18. You go back to obviously the next one before that was Sam Bradford back in 2008. Uh, so we think about you know Heisman Trophy winners from the Big 12 Conference. A lot of them have come from – OU, um, do you think Jeff Levy's off? I mean, I think the one guy that we look at is probably going to be Dylan Gabriel, right? Do we think Jeff Levy's offense is going to give Dylan Gabriel a shot to win it here in 2022? I think so. I think they run a ton of plays. And that's one thing Jeff Levy's been known for, even dating back to when he was coaching Southeastern and NAIA. I mean, at Ole Miss, at UCF, they're generally in the top five of plays run per game and typically putting up pretty good numbers. I mean, Dylan Gabriel averages 300 yards passing per game for his career. And so if that's not a, a, a kind of floor for him, I mean, if you're looking at a floor, probably like 275 passing yards per game is probably right about where he's going to be. But if he gets to that 300 yards a game, I mean, he's looking at maybe, you know, 4,000 yards passing potentially. Now it's going to take, like Emery said, like Jake reiterated as well, Oklahoma being in contention for a college football playoff berth. I think, there's a bit of the OU Heisman burnout a little bit uh, just from the, the Mayfield Murray and Jalen hurts all getting serious consideration. And then all of the hype surrounding Spencer Rattler and then Caleb Williams and all of that kind of falling through. There's a little bit of the, the burnout in, in hyping up Oklahoma quarterbacks as Heisman trophy candidates. I think we look at bet online and it's plus 2,800 maybe for, for Dylan Gabriel. And I mean, that's a solid number. And I think as probably the, arguably the best quarterback in the conference, at least from a passing standpoint, there's a good chance he can put himself into contention, but a lot's going to have to happen for, for that to occur. And Oklahoma is going to have to win a lot of games and he's going to have to be the quarterback that we expect him to be. You look outside of the quarterbacks. And I mean, Quinn Ewers, I think as a freshman is going to be kind of a long shot. Just, just the, the name recognition may not be there, even though he's been pretty well hyped for the last couple seasons, even going back to when he was sitting the bench at Ohio state. I just think, it's going to be a lot for him to overcome guys like CJ Stroud and Bryce young uh, that are the favorites to win the award. And then if you're looking at Bajan Robinson, I mean, really the odds are stacked against him just because of the position he plays, not because he's a bad player, but because there's only been four running backs or sorry, four non quarterbacks win the Heisman trophy since the year 2000, like Devontae Smith. And you got three running backs in Reggie Bush, Mark Ingram and Derrick Henry. And so for Bijan Robinson to make enough noise to put himself into Heisman consideration to actually win the award, he's going to have to do, like Emery said, 2,000 all-purpose yards, maybe 2,000 rushing yards with something like 30 touchdowns. Is he going to get enough run to be able to put those numbers up in a Steve Sarkeesian offense that wants to throw the ball? I don't know. I think it's going to be a lot. If, if, it, if a Texas player is going to win it, it's probably going to have to be Quinn Ewers. And if somebody from the Big 12 is going to win it, it's probably going to be a quarterback and it's probably going to be either Quinn Ewers and Dylan Gabriel. I don't think Spencer Sanders has got the kind of stuff to be able to no. put together a Heisman, you know, Sadly. contending season. Unless- Adrian Martinez. Stop. Adrian. <laughs> 
if he can the best three and nine quarterback in the country, baby. The best yeah. three and nine quarterback in the country. Hey, who was who was the last Big Twelve Heisman finalist before Baker Mayfield and or any non OU player who was the last? It was Heisman Colin Klein. Before. Was it Colin Klein? Was Colin Klein in twenty twelve? He's call, he's calling the plays, and I believe he's calling the plays now. I think what's interesting. Well, Kansas State was really good that year. They were awesome. I think what's really interesting is so you mentioned it's like okay. Thinking last year, right? Um, totally, uh, totally blank here on the running. Kenneth Walker, right? So, awesome player. The th- the thing that's a little bit different about Bijan is that he is. I'm going to say this like I, I pretty confidently. He's the most talented player in the conference. He might be the most talented player in the country, to be honest. When I look at guy, I will, I well, you know, Will Anderson obviously is a claim there, but like when you look at guys who play that running back position. There aren't too many that play it the way he does. Like, you got guys like Ricky Williams being like, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, this guy's got it. You know what I mean? Like, when Ricky – and look, his name's on the field at Texas. So, like, when guys like that are like, yeah, this guy's got, like, the juice. Like, he rides me and me. Like, it's not – and it's not, you know, not gratuitous, right? It's, it's not – this is not some faint-hearted thing. You know, I, I'm thinking, Emery, like, um, Bichon's got the – he's got the ability to win the award. But I just want to think, you know – if we're picking the best players in the conference, right? I think we're considering guys, you know, like the Quentin Johnstons of the world, right? We're considering maybe your Xavier Hutchinsons. But if you have to pick number one, a guy to win the award out of the Big 12, the number one pick, if we're doing a draft, would you take Dylan Gabriel number one, Emery, or would you go somebody else, maybe Kabijan? I mean, I think it has to be Dylan Gabriel. I mean, with all respect to Bijan Robinson, like, like John was mentioning, it's a really stacked it's stacked against him with running backs winning the award. You've only seen it once in the 21st century. And all of those guys have been on really good teams. Like when you look at Reggie Bush's USC, Mark Ingram's Alabama, obviously you had um, Derrick Henry at Alabama as well. Like those were teams that ended up either winning the national championship or going all the way to the wire when it came to winning the national championship. And then as well as that Devontae Smith and, 2020 as well and even though he wasn't running back wide receiver similar sort of story like you have to put up really eye-catching numbers on one of if not the best teams in the country and I mean I think Texas has a really good potential to be really good but I don't think they're going to be quite that good and additionally talking about Bijan being the most talented player in the conference I think there's a really good case for that but the problem is the difference between the most talented running back and an average running back is a lot smaller than what you see between other skill positions like for example at Penn State the drop off between Saquon Barkley and Miles Sanders Miles Sanders is a good running back but he's not anywhere near the pure talent that Saquon Barkley had and yet you look at the production from year to year it's not that big of a difference you look at that over over the course of years like the offensive line has been proven to be if anything a more important trait to a football mm-hmm. team and the running game than the actual running back and Bijan Robinson has a ton of running skill there's no denying that he has a ton of skill in general versatile player but when it comes to running backs, like you could replace him with an average running back for from the conference. Hey, they, like, had a, they have a pretty good backup too. I think Roshan yeah, Johnson's really Roshan good. Roshan Johnson's a good back as well. Again, he's really no Bijan Robinson. <laughs> but like you come, you go down, and you're talking about right. maybe maybe it's like 30 yards a game, half a touch right. over the course of the season, four or five touchdowns. Like not a significant production drop off. You compare that to a quarterback. Great quarterbacks and good quarterbacks, pretty big difference. And especially with running backs, too. Like, if anything, I think Deuce Vaughn's case is a little bit different just because of how good he is in the passing game. And yeah, but that team's going to suck. 
I, right, well, no, excuse I'm, me. I'm, not, I, I'm, not, I'm sorry. I'm Kansas, Kansas State fans are really good to us here. Yeah. They're not I'm like like I'm not they're going to win I'm comparatively. I shouldn't have said that. I'm not really talking about in terms of like the odds to win the Heisman because I think Deuce Vaughn's issue is entirely dependent on the team. But at least with him, if he's in the in the hypothetical where Kansas State, Adrian Martinez, hell freezes over, they're a top five team in the country. Deuce Vaughn's ability to be good in the passing game adds an extra level of versatility. The Bijan Robinson is a, can be a good pass catcher, but Deuce Vaughn is one of the best pass ca- catchers we've seen as a running back. And so, yeah. just you add that versatility in, and like it's hard to be a way above replacement re- level as a running back. So, back to the original answer, I think it's still Dylan Gra- Gabriel is the most likely player to win the Heisman. But I think in general. Barring anything absolutely spectacular, like 30 touchdowns from Bijan Robinson or 3,000 scrimmage yards from Deuce Vaughn or something, I think it's going to have to be a quarterback in this year's crop of players. Hey, do you think Jaron Hall has an outside shot? Let me see. Is he even listed on our better line? I, I just, I just there, I left it. Uh, Jaron Hall, outside shot? He'd have to go out and have a Zach Wilson type season. And the biggest thing, the biggest bugaboo for him so far in his BYU career is he's never finished a complete season at quarterback. So he'd have to go out and play 13 games, have monster numbers to really enter the conversation. The fun part, I think, right now for most BYU fans is the fact that they're looking potentially at a second first round draft pick if Jaron accomplishes what some people believe he's capable of doing. So uh, is Heisman realistic? He's a quarterback, so there's that opportunity, but it seems like he'd really have to be a big time player to have that opportunity awesome all right that will do it for part one of this show john williams emery lida jake hatch you guys can find them locked on sooners locked on texas tech and locked on cougars i am josh neighbors locked on big 12 for the sake of time we're wrapping this pretty fast part two coming in your feeds sometime soon talking about coaches in the big 12 and ranking them as well as uh some all big 12 team stuff that's coming up on a different episode see y'all later